Elena Doyen. I'm Dr. Pauline Hoffman. I'm your podcast hostess. I'm joined by my producer, Mr. Bryce Murphy. Hello, everyone. Bryce also wrote and recorded the podcast music. This podcast is for the data nerd and the data nervous, and this week's episode is data nerd heavy. Oh, good. Well, then I'm going to be nervous. Yeah, I saw I saw some charts before we just started recording here, and I was nervous. It did not look good. But Well, you might be nervous also because <laughs> you sent me down a rabbit hole when we were talking about generations a couple of weeks ago, so our topic this week is back to school. So because we're getting close to back to school for a lot of folks, and actually by the time this airs, some people are probably already back in school, um, we talked about online learning and if you've not done that, you know, make sure you go back and listen to that. But I wanted to talk some education statistics and facts. And what made me think of this is we're doing the Generations podcast. Bryce raised the issue that a university education today costs more than it did for our parents and grandparents, even adjusted for inflation. So one of the things we can't, our students can't do today is work over the summer and then have enough yeah, money we, we to pay for We can't pay college. for a whole semester by working in the summer at some camp or something or a restaurant. <laughs> so I said, you know, let me see if I can figure out if this is indeed correct. And sure enough, it absolutely is. So when you adjust for inflation, and I've got a bunch of tables that I'm sure not going to read, um, and some graphs also that I'll post on the website that you can take a look at. Indeed, if you look at all institutions or if you look at uh, public institutions versus private institutions and nonprofits versus for-profits and two-year and four-year, it has gone up incredibly so it is nearly impossible. I mean, you're talking, in some cases, um, the average undergraduate tuition fees, room and board for a four-year institution in 1965 would have cost about $10,000, and this is in 2017-2018 dollars. And in 2017-18, it would have cost about almost $30,000. So it's like three times, times. more expensive. Yeah. Can you say that? Is that I think you can. an accurate interpretation of the data? I think that you can. Because yes. the, the $17, $18, what is, like, that's just by inflation? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Bryce. <laughs> uh, there is a formula, which I thought I put in my notes and is not there, but essentially what you do is you divide, you to convert current dollars or of any year, or to convert the dollars from any year. So if you're looking at the dollar figure from 1965 and you want to convert it to the $17, $18, because that's the data that we have, you divide it by the index of that year, multiply it by the index of the base year. Essentially, you are adjusting for inflation. And I will get the the formula and I will put it on the website. So we have that. So for all you Fair accountants enough. that understand what that means. Right. And for those who there, don't there and are, more, are interested, go to the website to get more info. If you're not interested, just trust that the data that we have has been adjusted for inflation, which is what everybody says. And when I found constant dollars, I'm like, huh, what is this? Essentially so they, they adjusted for inflation. The, the, the inflation index? Essentially. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go to the website because I don't understand that still, but that's okay. That's okay. You don't need to because anyway. I've got, you'll be able to take a look at the graphs and the <laughs> graphs have done the math for you. Okay. I mean, you can go and do the math if you like, but I don't know why you do that. Yeah, but because... I don't even like graphs because I'm no. data nervous, so I'm yeah. going to just have to go to the website. So take a look at the tables. This if might you be like. my first time. That I, you know, I, you say, you know, we got all this extra data on the website and I, I have to admit, I have not gone to the website for the extra data, but this week... Well, you I'm don't need to, to because you're getting the conversation, so you <laughs> right, don't necessarily right. have to. I'm already a part of it. 
There you go. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I also have a bunch of graphics that you can take a look at too. I'll do graphics. Do they have like, they have colors this time or something? Oh, they do have colors. So you can see the graphs that show you the average undergraduate tuition fees room and board from 1965 to about 2018, 2017, 18 for a number of different factors. So whether or not it's a public institution, nonprofit, two year, four year, you're getting all of the, all of these data. They've all gone way up. They're definitely upward slope. Anybody can read that. They absolutely are. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's any that have, de- oh, I shouldn't say that. I did read that for-profits have decreased a little bit, but for-profits are like your Bryant and Stratton's, and I don't know if that's a national or like your ITT tech. Those are the for-profits okay. that uh, are in it to make a profit. A nonprofit, technically, you still want to make a profit as a nonprofit, but it's really going back in and covering the cost, no one's making a bazillion dollars. What has decreased though, what has fluctuated more is the investment income that universities have because so many universities and colleges rely on tuition, room and board to pay the costs. And they also get money from their state and from certainly from the federal government, but those figures have decreased over okay. time too. So they're reliant more so on- So that's probably why the prices exactly. have gone up sadly for you guys as students, right? I mean, even now, I mean, when I went to school, which would have been in this area here, 1990 area, not it's too bad. even not it's, as It's going bad. up. <laughs> exactly. So, and then here too, when you take a look at the revenues, gifts, uh, institutional gifts. So if I give money to the university or you give money to your university, those things have fluctuated wildly. And wow, you can what is see that huge dip in that the That huge mid- dip would have been 2008 for the uh, recession. Yep, so that makes there sense. you go. Exactly. That every graph about money dip uh, exactly. in 2008. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at the graphs now, folks who are listening. So if you want to have the excitement that we are both having right now, you'll this need one to looks go like a website. mountain, so I like it. Well, those are student tuitions and fees. You shouldn't like it. So that's, it peaked in based. 2011, it looks like, and it's gone down. And this is, that's institutional revenues, private, private for-profit, for-profit institutions. institutions. So these are the okay. for-profits. So yeah. that peaked in about 2011. Right. That's when they were most expensive, and now they're decreasing, but they're still more expensive than they were in 2004. And that's the overall revenue, so that means that... That's tuition... Uh, does that include like tuition gifts and, and scholarships? There's, so there's no, less... no, that's just the tuition and fees. That's oh, okay. just what you guys are paying. Yeah, no, gifts are a different color. Gifts, and again, the graph that we happen to be referencing right now is for the for-profit institutions. So yeah, absolutely take a look. That'll give you some interesting stuff. So cool. as tuitions increased, the revenue, as we just noted, has not necessarily increased. I mean, tuition has brought in more revenue because it has to cover up for, or has to cover the government funding that hasn't been keeping up yeah so to speak (laughs) now there's a sticker price and there's the actual price you pay and the actual price that most folks pay we call in higher education that's the discount rate so most of the time universities aren't posting their discount rates because you don't necessarily want to know what the average person's paying so i'm not going to ask you what you're paying for your education but it's probably not the full yeah it's not you're probably getting scholarships and actually i will say and i get a say too much about my information, but it was cheaper for me to go to St. Bonaventure than it was to go to the the SUNY schools because of the tuition and aid and scholarship and aids and stuff. And a lot of those scholarships, now, the, and now some of the aids you're getting is probably from federal and state, like Pell Grants and different things, but you're yeah, also probably getting scholarships that would have been provided by folks who've given money to the university through right. endowments and things. So, And I guess there's maybe there's more of that at Bonaventure, but I also feel like that is a little bit of like almost like a marketing thing where it's like 
a huge price, and then it's like seventy percent off. Here's your actual price. They're like, and how many people are, are really paying the sticker price? Like, is that just? Let a me tell you what. I'm gonna say this. Myth? I'm gonna say this publicly. If you're paying the full price, you've done something wrong. Like, there's <laughs> no reason you should be paying the full price at any institution. So please be. I mean, unless I guess you have. It's the lowest high school average ever. You just need to get in and, you know, they'll take you if you pay the full price. But no, please, you should be negotiating that. Everything's negotiable, particularly nowadays. So, But you brought something up that's really interesting because several schools in the last decade or so have decided to move away from offering the scholarships and things. And they're just saying everybody's paying $20,000 or whatever, yeah. whatever the cost is. And that's not negotiable. Now, if you get your federal grants and things, that's different. But... Um, it hasn't worked out for them because people like to think they're getting some kind yeah. of a deal. <laughs> and that's there's a psychology behind that. Right, which, and that's yeah. what I was saying. It's like, yeah, it's almost like <laughs> a marketing psychology, thing. you can tell yeah. us. Yeah, people well, it's think- like, oh, this TV was $700, and now it's only 500 But, like, originally it was maybe... Five hundred and thirty. You know, they they jack it up and then give it a sale they price, make you and think I feel you're like getting a right, big deal. Which it seems like Bonaventure did that. It's like, oh my gosh, this tuition is insane, and then it was like actually cheaper than a state school with after the right. the, the aid package came in. And it's not just Bonaventure. I mean, pretty much every university right. is doing this yeah. too, for sure. And it's getting worse now because you know, especially in some areas of the country, particularly where we are in the Northeast, you have. Uh, decreasing demographics, so you don't have as many folks going to school because there just aren't as many of you. Really? Yeah. So we're facing that. Although, now that the census data just came out, the 2020 census data came out, uh, apparently Buffalo has grown, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's not going to send so many more people to to schools. So um, the average tuition at public institutions, now there are public and private, the public institutions would be, you know, some of your state university schools in, I mean, we're in New York state. So any of the state university of New York schools, like the SUNY Buffalo and Oswego and so on, those are all public institutions. Private institutions are usually, you're religiously affiliated, but any of your others, like a Harvard is a private institution. Any of your Ivies are generally private institutions. So you have differing tuitions there, but at public institutions in 2016, the average tuition was about 17500 bucks, and the average tuition revenue they received was about 7500 so they discounted that yeah. about $10,000. So the average discount is like a lot of it. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think, and that's, I think that's higher than New York State tends to be too, but I think that's also why the tuition package was not as much, because it's already so cheap in New York State for tuition. Like, I think the average tuition in for, for SUNY schools was less than what people are getting off of the federal average. I think it's like it was like 6000 maybe for a UB. It could, and I don't, and that's yeah, probably yeah. going up. But And we can take a look at specific yeah. schools. And actually, I have a link that I'll put on the website that you can take a look at specific schools to get information. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in 2000, 44% of all undergraduates received some sort of grant aid. In 2016, that number was 63.1%. So more folks are getting aid, which is good because you should be able to afford or they're doing school. the psychology thing and the, the sticker price is going up but the real price is well and we've seen not. the sticker price is going up because you know that's what the data are showing us so there you go compare all of it yeah not and ask it's... questions because especially with stuff like this like money things and in, in the graphs like there's always kind of there's confounds to the data like mm-hmm. like the sticker price versus net price so there's other f- factors at play underneath 
things like and that. And then what are you paying for room and board, and what are you paying in right. terms, and, and that would include any of the meal plans. I mean, there's so many things that are involved in all of this, too. And keep in mind, too, that students, and you're probably, I mean, I think you mentioned you're one of them, you might be getting federal aid and a scholarship and something right. else. So there's, it's more than just one thing. And there's so much scholarship money out there. You know, take a look. Yeah, there's and a lot sure. of random scholarships you can find. Absolutely. Every little bit helps, you know, a $500 scholarship here, 250 I mean, Go to your high school guidance counselor if you're in high school. All right. And then if you're already in college, I don't, there's, I don't know who to help. But <laughs> I don't know who will help you. <laughs> Your financial aid office at the university should be able to help you with any number of things because they have all of this information too, and they do want to help you because well, we want to keep you at school. You know, we want to keep reeducate you. I almost said keep taking your money. <laughs> we do want your money because it helps to helps us to educate you. But here we go. So people nice are getting yeah. There you go. <laughs> people are getting more aid. Well, I, I say that students will come to me and they'll ask me about financial aid and I will never help. I mean, I because that's just, yeah, just I don't want to screw department. up your, yeah. your financial aid. So I always say, please go see the financial aid department because they're going to be able to help you. Now, do you have student loans? I thankfully do not. Oh, very good. I, yeah, I'm very fortunate. Oh my goodness, that. that's fabulous because I have some student loan statistics. The total student loan debt, this is in the U.S., $1.71 trillion. I still wow. have some student loans from my Yeah, and I graduate. was also curious that those numbers probably grow, grew or like with inflation, would the, the constant dollars of your student debt grow? Well, I mean, my student loan, I mean, I'm not in a hurry to pay it off because it's so low interest okay. that it doesn't make sense so for like, me yeah, to pay whatever. that one yeah. first. <laughs> um, and no, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, it's sort of like when you buy a house or a car, you have your payment throughout whatever however long you're paying it mm -hmm. so is it 10 years or 20 years and i believe mine were 20 years uh so i should be able to pay those before i'm 80 um well before i'm 80 but you yeah, know they would stay it's not like they're increasing necessarily because i was you know you take out whatever the loan is and then you amortize that and pay that over okay. the course of that time yeah I, that's, so, this is all kind of foreign so you don't have loans don't have you don't loans. have to worry about that yeah, that's awesome Thank, that is awesome. Thank the Lord. To, and you hear a you lot. In, I don't. <laughs> yeah, thank your your preferred deity, yeah. uh, or not. Um, there is a lot of talk now too about canceling student debt, and that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. We're not having that conversation here, but I keep hanging on, thinking, well, I don't want to pay them off because if you're <laughs> like, going to cancel some canceled? debt, yeah. I'm okay with that. Is I'll that take just money. for for new newly. Uh, I hope, not. I hope not. I hope it's for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, that just won't. I'm going to go to the White House and I'll complain. So we have the total U.S. borrowers with student debt are with student loan debt 45 million, and the average student loan debt is about almost 38 thousand. Wow. Yeah, and the student delinquency rate about 11 percent. So those are the folks who just can't pay oh. and just stop paying. And now with the pandemic you've been able to postpone payments. The problem with that is that your interest is still accruing. It's not like they've stopped interest. Yeah. So you're just going to end up <laughs> having to pay like more, but you just don't have to pay it right now. <laughs> so here are the states, and I have, I'll put these graphics too, or this information up on the website. The states that have the largest number of borrowers as well as are the highest price tag. For California's number one, 3.9 million borrowers. Why am I having trouble with that word? 3.9 million borrowers have 140.1 billion dollars in student loan debt in california wow yeah yeah new york is number four and if you're in north carolina that's number 10 so you can see the list here now the following states have the highest average student loan debt per borrower and dc i mean while not a state is is there because they have data on that 
Maryland and Georgia and Virginia and Florida. So in Washington, D.C., the average student loan debt is about $53,000. Yeah, that's a good chunk higher than the national average, was it? Yes, it absolutely yes. is. Yeah, because the national average was about 37000 I think yeah, we said. Something right. like that. Now, folks who have a balance, and I can put this graphic, I'm not going to read the graphic, so you can see on this particular graphic how many people owe 0.9 million people, so just under a million people owe more than $200,000. Wow. Right. That is rough. That I that's got to be medical school, law school. That's oh my gosh! Be something. Yeah, I didn't even didn't even consider the the post grad because I'm an undergraduate now, and if I chose to go, I I couldn't imagine having undergrad and then graduate and then doctoral and having loans, loans, loans for all of those. Oh my no. gosh! No, I mean luckily awful. I'm I'm like you. I mean when I went to undergrad, we were able to pay that while I was you know, an undergrad. So I didn't have loans as an undergrad. But when I went back to school, I wasn't working in some job that made a bazillion dollars. So I took loans to pay for my graduate degrees. And again, I mean, I'm in this low category. I'm not, I don't have $200,000 in debt. Good God. I mean, our house doesn't have that, you know, that's more than a mortgage. That's a mortgage and like eight cars. Right. That's why I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, um, and it, I guess it, we also can break this down by age. So my age group, between 50 and 61, we still have 6.2 million people who owe lo- who have loans, and I'm wow. one of them. Now, if you're under 24, that's 7.8 million borrowers. Between 25 and 34, it's 14.8, and then you know, so mine actually my age group between 50 and above 50, it's not. My goodness, you're, you've paid our things off, <laughs> or we went or... to school and we didn't. <laughs> we, before, in like 1965, we didn't need loans. Oh my gosh. Now, how do we compare? with other countries, do you think? I don't know. I don't have a guess in which direction that would be. We suck. <laughs> okay, that was kind of <laughs> what I was leaning towards. <laughs> but you needed you needed someone. Yeah, I had no data to make that guess. So. You know, well, that's and that's not exactly the way I should phrase the data, I suppose. But I was taking a look. Now, there are some countries that have, like, no debt. Like, students have no debt. Actually, there are some countries that have free tuition. Right, and that's, yeah. Or now, it's like more uh, publicized, or it's you know it's it's less privatized education in other countries. Well, that I don't know. I mean, I don't know that necessarily. Let me see if it says that here. I've got this really great graphic too that I'll post. But uh, some countries have free tuition, but they the students would take a student loan so that they can essentially room and board because that doesn't cover the free tuition doesn't cover your living expenses. Right. So Denmark, for example, has free. Actually, I'll, I'll rattle off the countries that have zero tuition dollars for students. Denmark, Brazil, Germany, Finland, Greece, Ireland, Mexico, Norway, and Poland. Wow. Good job. Good exactly. job, those countries. Yes. Now, what they also, what I like about this graphic, too, is that it notes the annual per capita income. But if you take a look at the average annual tuition, the UK and the US are pretty neck and neck in terms of how much it costs to go to school. And again, you've got these countries where it's free. Yeah. And I think those are probably, probably cultural factors there too. Now, here we go. The UK average student loan debt per student, it's still less than the US, but it's about almost 31,000. The lowest is like Germany has 2400. Can you imagine that? $2400. Yeah, that would be nice. You'd be yeah. able to take care of that. Now, what if you want to go to school in a different country? Maybe that you want to go to Ireland because tuition expensive. is... out of state. I can imagine international <laughs> students. They're not getting any of the 
federal or state money for out-of-state or international students. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, many college-bound students, and I'm reading this from the graphic, in the U.S. are choosing universities in other countries to save on tuition. Really? So where are our students going? Where do you guys go? Apparently, you go to the U.K., and then Canada, France, Germany, and so on. So you could take this graph and how you can study abroad. And actually, I recommend that people study abroad. So that's something... That's good to do. So that's how we compare with other countries. Now, do you complete college? Because that's a big deal. What if you take out all these loans, you don't complete college, so now you don't have your degree. And you just have the debt. You just have the debt. That would really stink. Now, the U.S., I have a graphic also about college completion rates. And now in the U.S., um, federal law says that we have to, every institution has to post its retention rates and its completion rates. It's five-year and six-year completion rate. So you can go to any university's website and find out, and I, I suggest you know you do take a look at that so you can find out how many or what percentage of students graduate. So if you go to, a, if you go to someone's website and in five years, like 10% of the students have graduated, you probably don't want to go there because that means that 90% have fallen through the cracks or are taking longer than they should. So, And that's an extreme example. I don't know that there's any university that's only 10%. But Korea, Japan, Canada, Russia, Ireland, they have the highest completion rates in the world. The U.S. is 12th. (laughs) So, yeah. Better luck next time, guys. Now, here's where Americans can study for free or at very low cost and in English. So you don't even need to know a foreign language to be able to go to some of these places. Brazil, Brazil's universities apparently charge registration fees, but they don't require regular tuition and they offer classes in English and this is from valuecolleges.com Germany has 900 programs in English and is eager to attract students Wow! because it has a shortage of skilled workers so it wants skilled workers Finland doesn't have any tuition fees but it does warn foreigners they have to cover their living expenses so if that's all you have to worry about and you can go live in Finland although finding an apartment in Finland might be difficult I mean I I have no idea yeah who knows I've not done that so you got contacts there perhaps now, I imagine, you know, if they're, again, if they're thinking like Germany's thinking that they're trying to, you know, fill positions with, trying to get skilled workers, then maybe they, they help you out. France does charge tuition, about $200 at public universities. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. And Norway, in, uh, Norwegian students. Is that students, just like to hang out for the day, or is that as tuition? Tuition, that's <laughs> $200. A, $200 for some uh, baguettes. Uh, Norway, Norwegian students, including foreigners studying in the country, don't have to pay college tuition. But the high cost of living because of harsh winters. Mm. So you got to bundle up. Now, Slovenia... If Eastern Europe is more your thing, is how they phrase it here. Uh, they have they 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 only charge a registration fee, no tuition. And then you've got Sweden, that it's so successfully solved its social problems that people are moving there. They have all kinds of programs, so you can do that. Now, again, doesn't mean free tuition. Doesn't mean you're not paying anything because you got to live. There was a study too. This is what made me think of of this particular topic this week as well okay. because I was reading the New York Times and they had an article that reported on a study from Third Way, which is a center-left-leaning public policy group. But they used data from the U.S. Federal um, Education Department's College Scoreboard. And this is where I recommend you go. So if you go to College Scorecard, you're going to be able to punch in your university, and it gives you all kinds of information, like its graduation rate, the average cost of tuition, information about its student body, what test scores you need, and you know financial aid and that sort of thing, and the salary depending on the area that you're studying. So it's really a cool resource, and it's collegescorecard.ed.gov.gov, so I'll put that on the website. But apparently, 
there are some, and this should be no surprise to anybody, some programs that you study are going to do better for you than others. Some programs you study will help you to make some money to help pay for your college loan, while others will not do that. Yeah. And you could probably guess, and this is, I'm sure people are going to be a little bit angry when they take a look at this just because... I hope they weren't studying this major and decided that it's not going to work. <laughs> but essentially what they did was, here's another formula. They took the average net price and divided it by your post-enrollment earnings minus the typical salary of a high school graduate. And they figured out the number of years it's going to take you to recoup the cost of your college education. So you can guess, and they did it for bachelor and associate and certificate, and we don't have associate and certificate. So bachelor's degree, do you want to guess what the highest returns on investment would be? What, what Probably majors? Probably business majors, journalism majors. I'm going to tell you it's never going to be Nursing journalism majors. It's well here Those we are go. my final guesses. Well, here I'll tell you. So thank you for guessing. Thank you for playing. You don't win anything. Uh, electrical, electronics, and communication engineering. Okay. So engineering. I didn't really think of that. No, you yeah. did say registered nurses. So yes, I'll give you partial partial Sweet. credit. Uh, nursing administration, nursing research, clinical nursing, and yeah. then anything engineering. Probably the more like specific majors where it's you're learning how to do a certain job, like nursing. Me, psychology and Spanish. I've got a lot of people skills, but not a lot of tactile direct job skills you're getting direct job here you are here we're doing the podcast yeah. that's going to earn you i mean that roi has got to be incredible what you're going to get i don't even know what roi is so return on investment ah, so okay, yes cool. so that's yeah we can punch that <laughs> in and take the salary that you're getting and you know i don't know how you add bacon but anyway so and with the i've got a list of bachelor's degree pro do you want to guess the programs you should never study if you want to actually make a living I don't. I'm scared. <laughs> I, I'm afraid to say this just because I don't want people listening to this saying, oh, but that's what I want to study. Well, drama, theater, I mm. mean, you pro that's probably not the best. Dance, maybe don't do that. Well, those also might not be for salary. And actually, I, I've, um, I talked to this one guy that I used to work with who was, uh, I think he was a theater major at Fredonia. And a lot of times, like, if you do a full-time job like that, you, like, live on the road or you live... Like, you just go wherever the show is going, so they kind of pay for your living, but you're not paying for a house and groceries and things. You're just like, it's your whole life. Right. Like you're on tour with the show. No, I will and so say... so you might be making less money, but it's like all included in the experience sort of thing. Perhaps. Or there could just be no jobs. Now, I will say this. <laughs> <laughs> if this is what you truly love, you're going to be able... Hopefully you can figure it out. I mean, it's going to take a great deal of perseverance and stuff, but going in, please just, you know, know that. Now, that's not to say these positions don't have value, because obviously I enjoy drama in the theater and I enjoy dance, so please, people keep doing it. I was a little surprised by some of these, like zoology and animal biology, uh, ecology, evolution, biology, anthropology, some of those surprised me a little bit, but then you've got like religion and religious studies, so maybe don't do that, I guess. Music, I'm sorry. Like, you really, you know, I don't know. I'll tell you. But now, this is just... But I think the people that are doing those majors aren't doing it for the money. They're doing you it because they yeah. really want to do that. Well, and that's the thing. When you said journalism, and I think I mentioned this in the careers, my dad said, you, you're you not going to get paid anything. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care. Because, of course, in college, you know, I'm like, I don't know what... I guess I'll have to pay a mortgage at some point. So that's college. So we've taken a look at what it costs to go to college. It's changed over the decades and how it has grown ridiculously so yeah. and how you can't you poor people can't afford to go and the student loan debt but then also how we compare to other countries and we are 
terrible compared to other countries. Yeah, we're very expensive. We are. Because everything's a business. This kid, we're very... Well, let's not go down a different rabbit hole, but it's a business at the end of the day. It's not like a public works thing like it is in other countries. It's well, an, it's still probably a business, too. I mean, you still have Higher to... education is an industry. It's There's the public, but there, you know, there's that... And it's probably an industry in other places, too. That I don't have the exact details, because I'm sure in some countries, you know, is it more public rather than private, and that right. I didn't get into. Thank you. Now I've got to do some more research, and that there's can be always a future. more research to there's be done. There's always more. And that's why, it's, that's why I'm a psychology major, and I'm terrified for my capstone, because I'm going to have so many follow-up questions, and I'm... But forget about my life. <laughs> we, we don't need to forget. What do you mean follow-up questions? Like people, like they're going to ask you questions on your cancer? No, like I'm going to have follow-up questions for my own, for your own research. Okay. Yeah. Well, bring it to data. I'm just going to go rabbit hole. Data is supposed to be the answer to the rabbit hole, but I think but it just But then creates, it just creates more holes. Yeah. That you want to go down. Because now you've given me more that I need to go and take a look at. Well, this is, that's, that's my contribution. I got a lot of questions. Maybe I, I love been, it. Maybe I should have been a philosophy major. No, <laughs> not according to this list. You probably well, don't want to do that. I've got unlimited questions. Psychology. I was hoping to find some answers. I understand. Well, that's more one of the about reasons. the human experience yeah. now. So I guess I'm satisfied with my education. Well, that's one of the reasons that's why that I, wanted, I to do it. wanted to study biology because I always have questions and right. I want to find Science answers. Science has answers. So that's their big thing. It has thing. answers. That's the point. And that's the perfect segue into the arse for this right. week. So you may remember you asked me when we were talking about generations. What came before traditionalists? Yeah. And I said, I don't know, but I imagine there were people, and they probably named them. And sure enough, they did. And I also have a correction. So I have this fabulous graphic from Life Course. We love corrections. And Well, here's the correction. Let me do that first. So I said... data is always new. It, well, and if I have something that's not correct, I definitely want to make sure I note it. If you recall, and you actually pointed this out, when I said the silent generation or the traditional were from about 1900 to 1942 or 45, you said, wow, that's bigger than other generations. Yeah, that's a bigger gap. The other ones are yeah. 10, 15 years. Here's why. Because that's actually two generations. Oh, so the silent generation is between about 1925. So they were so silent, they just got lumped into a different generation. <laughs> Apparently. Pre-silent generation. So the silent generation is about 1925 to about 1945. G.I., is just before the silent generation. So that's about 1900 to about 1925. What's GI? GI stands for apparently general issue or government issue. I knew it was an army term. So All right. So yeah, like your GI is your like the GI bill. Your pack, yeah, your yeah. package of Now materials. before that, the most immediate generation before the GI generation is the lost generation. Late and 1800s. that's why I didn't know about them. And then you have the missionary progress. I have a list of the generations. So these go way back. This goes back to 1433. Well, that was my question. When did the generation studies start? So I guess the very start of American history, I guess. Well, this is... Anglo-American history is what it says, which is more accurate. It, it, that's exactly it. It's yeah. Anglo-American history. So it's the Arthurians from 1433 to 1460. Those are like the first colonizers? The first ones that we talk about, apparently. That, well, that's pre-them coming to this. This is definitely in England, because okay. this wouldn't have been... This is when, I mean, they, were, when they were thinking about checking it out. I don't know. I mean, you know, who knows? But then we do. We have the Puritans from 1588. I mean, we, you know, Enlightenment, Awakening, Liberty, Republican... I mean, we've got transcendental, and we've Goes got it all. Yeah, so this so you is... can take a look at that. So I've answered that question. 
and you've given me others and that's the way it goes so all of these all of this is going to be on the website so thank you to everyone for listening thank you to my producer bryce murphy who also wrote and recorded the show music logo designed by leah mcgirl for more information and to access the data discussed on this week's episode, visit datadoyen.com, which Bryce said he's going to do for the first time this week. Also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and the links are on the website. And if you like this podcast, tell all your friends, have them tune in. The podcast is a production of Ratchet Boy Records. Listen to Ratchet Salon on all streaming platforms everywhere you find music. This podcast is sponsored by Wild Mountain Botanicals, Tippy Homestead, The Sparkworks Studio, and Dog Nanny Originals, and why not, The Silent Generation. To sponsor, send me a message on the website. Thank you. <laughs>